Hi, my name is Erin Kinzel, and I think personal growth sucks, but I also can't stop pursuing it, and it's produced some amazing results in my relationships, my career, my emotional and physical health, and basically every other area of my life. So the truth is that I don't always think it sucks, I just don't like the uncomfortable, scary, and awkward parts. On this podcast, I invite you to join me and my friends as we talk about personal growth, the hard parts, how we're leaning in despite how awful it can be, what we're learning, and most importantly, how we're moving forward. We'll share the resources and tools that are helping us, and you'll get to listen in as we encourage each other and hopefully encourage you too along the way. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, friends. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Personal Growth Sucks. This season is all about procrastination, and I hope that I've been able to uncover some um, some things related to procrastination that you don't normally hear in other places. In my quest to help my own um, journey of procrastination, um, to help get healthier with a lot of the ways that I approach tasks and my own internal energy around tasks. Um, I've read a lot of books and a lot of articles and listened to podcasts and all kinds of things that are related to procrastination in the sense of um, talking about productivity or talking about, um, you know, emotions or the internal stuff. And there's a lot that I've discovered along the way that I just don't hear in those other spaces. And so I do hope that what I've been able to bring here from my own journey is um, is helpful and is helping you discover some new things in your own life and maybe helping you to have some um, more self-compassion and be able to approach this journey from a place of curiosity instead of a place of judgment. Speaking of having curiosity instead of judgment, I just want to say that this last week for me has been really difficult. And some of the topics I'm going to talk about today, um, I feel like I have really sucked at them this last week, (laughs) which is not, you know, that's not a lot of fun. That's part of the vulnerability of showing up here and still recording a podcast about boundaries and about managing uh, the emotions of other people. Um. And having things to offer and to bring to the table, and yet knowing that in the last week, it's been really messy with my family relationships and some things that have happened here in my own, in my own house. And so, um, I guess I just want to want to say that partially because it's so important to me to note that this is not a destination that we reach. And this is part of the reason why, Um, I have to remind myself that personal growth sucks. And it's just this reminder that I'm never going to arrive. There's always the process. There's always something to navigate with it. And I always am going to need relational nutrients. I'm always going to need other people. I'm always going to have to reckon with um, the fact that it's messy. I think I don't want it to be messy. I want it to be really neat and tidy and very intellectual. (laughs) And it just isn't. It just isn't. And so that's part of the reason why the podcast is called Personal Growth Sucks 
it's a reminder to me and hopefully a reminder to you too that when it feels really messy, you're not doing it wrong. So today in continuing our series on procrastination, I'm going to talk about boundaries and managing the emotions of other people and how this is tied to procrastination. I'm also going to talk about a concept that I brought up. I don't remember if it was in the last episode or, you know, in the last couple of episodes about creating definition and bringing definition to relationships, bringing definition to circumstances. This is something that I mentioned before that has been difficult for me, and it's an area that I'm continually practicing where I would rather just respond to what is happening in the world around me. But what happens with that then is it leads to me feeling stuck and it leads to overall a, a weakened muscle in me of, of just um, not being able to make decisions, if that makes sense. Um, so the more that I really practice bringing definition to things, the more that it translates into things like bringing definition to my to-do list, bringing definition to my day. It helps me come into a situation thinking about what is it that I want to create here? What are, what are my opinions about this scenario? What is my vision for how this is going to go? And, and the importance of doing that in relationship with other people. There's so much that happens when I choose to show up with opinions and, and saying, here's how I want to define things. And that energy definitely translates over into this area of productivity and being able to um, get things done. And I think part of it is that when I have a, a to-do list of things and I'm used to just responding to things, the to-do list becomes a force that is imposing itself on me and that I am responding to. And it sort of becomes parental. And instead of me coming at that to-do list and saying, I am going to create definition for you. Um, I am going to look at the list and I'm going to bring definition. I'm going to decide what order things get done in. I'm, I need to think critically about whether or not all of these things actually belong on my list. Um, I'm going to put these in priority order for, for my priorities. There's a whole different energy there than me coming to it and going, oh, like I have to respond to this force that's in my life that's imposing itself on me and being reactive to it. There's, um, there's just so much power there. So I don't know if I'm really conveying that um, the way that it is in my head. And I will you know, continue to talk about it in an attempt to try and, and bring that concept to life because it has really been powerful for me. And I think it's really important in this conversation about procrastination. So when we talk about boundaries and we talk about managing the emotions of other people, how are those tied to procrastination? Well, um, a lot of times I feel stuck in moving forward with a task because I'm overthinking how to do it in a way that will manage other people's expectations and emotions. So I'll give some examples of that in a minute. Or with boundaries, I might be taking on things that aren't really mine to do because maybe I'm kind of being a martyr about things or I'm trying to be a savior 
to someone who I think, you know, I feel bad for them. They have too much on their plate or, you know, they're having a really hard time. And so I take on things that aren't actually mine to own. Or sometimes I take on things that aren't mine to do because I'm being a people pleaser and I am not able to just say no and I don't want to disappoint somebody. Another way that um, boundaries or really lack of boundaries can cause procrastination is if I am making a project complicated because I'm trying to micromanage or control work that another person is doing or that I think they ought to be doing. So I saw this in the workplace a lot, especially when I managed other people um, or working on teams of people. I would kind of take on parts of a project where I thought that someone else needed to be doing it a certain way and they weren't doing it that way. And so I would sort of... um, it's like I would try to, to take on parts of it to try and steer the project the way I thought it should be going. And in reality, that's not mine to do. That's not mine to own. And so it just adds to my to-do list and it adds to this um, mental load of, of trying to manage a situation uh, and trying to control a situation. And I never would have said that I was trying to be controlling Uh, I actually, for a long time, resented people who were very controlling, uh, very overtly controlling until a couple of years ago, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm controlling too. I just hide it. It's, it's sort of this, this hidden, like, oh, but I'm trying to be helpful. Um, but really when I started to peel back the layers, I realized, no, I really am trying to control other people. And, um, but in a really subtle, feel good way, (laughs) I want them to feel good about it. Um, but still I'm trying to micromanage and still that is a really unhealthy way to live. And I think that's one reason why I've struggled with procrastination because there are these, these things that I subconsciously would take on as being my responsibility and whether it showed up on my actual to-do list or not there were these like layers of things in my mind and it's sort of like um I'm, I'm envisioning Joey from Friends the in the episode where he put on all of Chandler's clothes um they were fighting and I don't know what possessed him to go into like Chandler's clothes and decide he was going to like put them all on or what he was trying to accomplish with that um but it's sort of like the subconscious way of like putting on all these layers of things that I'm responsible for. And then in the end, it restricts my movement and it restricts my ability to think clearly and to be able to get things done. So I wanna talk about some examples of all of this. And at the end, I wanna share some practical tips for how I've tried to cultivate some awareness around these these issues in my own life and ways that I try to have just a healthier approach to boundaries and to to recognizing what's mine to own, what's not mine to own, and how that gets lived out in my in my to-do list in my life. One example that came to mind as I was creating notes and and preparing for this episode um, was back when I was working full time and at the time I was actually director of public relations, I think, at the university where I worked. And I I vividly remember 
writing an email to one of our vice presidents and I needed to ask her for some information. And it was in order, like I was working on this project for the president and it was a monthly um, e-newsletter that went out to all of the faculty and staff there. And um, it had to do with his, one of his initiatives that, that he, um, that he was, uh, that we were doing throughout the whole university. And I needed an example from her of like a success story from her. And so as I was thinking about it, I, like I remember writing this long, long, long email to her that um, I, it probably took me an hour to write this email. And really what I needed to ask her was, hey, I'm doing uh, I, I need a blurb for this e-newsletter about this program and its success. Can you give me some data about it? Like the end, that could have been the email. But instead, I spent an hour writing this email and I was trying to um, like pre, predetermine what would be all of her potential questions about this. I felt like she might be mad at me because I was asking at the last minute and there, re- there were reasons why I was asking at the last minute, but I felt like to say that overtly would be like putting blame on the president. And so I felt kind of stuck between this, like wanting to um, please him and meet his expectations, um, feeling pressure to help her understand the why behind some of it, and all of it came really came down to this idea that I, the story that I created in my mind, that she was going to be frustrated with me or disappointed or annoyed that I was asking. And when it really comes down to it, a way of describing what I was doing is I was trying to manage her emotions. I was pre-deciding, predetermining that she was going to be frustrated and confused about my request instead of just plainly stating what I needed and then letting her manage her own emotions. And if she had questions about it, she could come back to me and say, I don't understand. I thought it was going to be this other way, or I thought I didn't know I was going to have to provide this information to you, you know, and then being able to to cross that bridge if we came to it. And instead, I was trying to um, mitigate all of those potential futures, (laughs) all the potential ways that she might think uh, or that she might take the email when I sent it to her. And I think at some point I realized, I I think I remember this because it was this aha moment for me of saying, oh, I don't actually need to ask all of these things. I don't need to make it this complicated. I just can say, hey, hey here's information I need. Can you give it to me or let me know if I need to go to someone else on your team to get this information? And here's the deadline when I need it by. And I didn't need to feel bad about asking or having a deadline or any of those things. And I think at the at the heart of it, it felt like if it was messy or if she had questions or if she had feeling negative feelings about me, then it would mean that I had failed. And one thing that's really tricky with this is that if I have a lens on life that says, like if I have a rule in my head that says that I have to pre-manage all the expectations and I have to know in advance and be thinking in advance about all of the things and anticipate what another person might need, if I need to anticipate all the questions they might have, all the emotions that they might have, 
Um, and it's like, it's my job to be thinking ahead about that and then to like cushion all of that. Um, then the other side of that coin is that I expect other people to do the same thing for me. And, and I know this is true from how I've been in the past, I would resent when other people didn't anticipate what I needed. So this lens, there's both these both sides to the coin. One is that I put pressure on myself to anticipate the needs of others and to anticipate what somebody else is going to feel and to help them manage, like, like to position whatever it is I'm asking or doing in a way that manages their emotions for them. And the other side of that coin is I expect other people to do the same. And then what would happen is when people would plainly ask me for things that were either too much for me or that I couldn't provide for them, or if I had questions, needed more information, whatever, I would feel, I really would go into child stance. Um, so there's, there's child stance, adolescent stance, parental stance, and adult stance. And um, someday I'll have to do a podcast episode just on those, or maybe even a whole, a whole season. I feel like there could be a whole season of those. But I would go into this child stance where I viewed the other person as being parental. And instead of being adult to adult with them, I would feel like, like a little kid being asked to do something by a parent that I didn't feel equipped to do or whatever, you know, had resistance towards it or had questions about it. And I would, I would feel like I would want them to take care of me and I would want them to, um, to be thinking of, of the situation, like, in, in terms of them taking care of me. Like I would want them to, to be thinking about all of these things to anticipate what my needs would be and to like pre-offer it to me so that I wouldn't have to go ask them because I didn't really feel empowered to ask. And in the end, that's a really disempowering place to be. And it's a really, you know, it's a situation of me giving up my power to another person in a lot of ways. Um, and that's not a healthy way to go through life wanting to be parented. Um, I mean, this, this could take us down a whole black hole of, of other, like of revelations that I've had around being in child stance and ways that I want, I've wanted institutions or wanted the world around me to take care of me instead of understanding how I can take ownership and how I can have power to go and, and to, again, it comes back to creating definition, to create definition um, in the places where I need it. So if this um, were reversed and someone said to me, hey, I need a, a thing, you know, I need this information and here's a deadline, a way for me to, to own my own emotions in this and to be an adult stance with them would be to go back to them and say, oh, I didn't realize you would need this. I actually don't have this information. And then for them to come back and say, oh, well, it was my understanding that you knew about this and here's why I need it. And then I could go back and say, well, I'm really sorry, but I don't have this information. How could we move forward together? What what could we do with this? Or, you know, could you help me understand this more? And so I think the thing is that I've had to learn that some of those conversations are messy and... um. They don't always feel good. Sometimes for me, it really feels like conflict to be doing that. 
And I've had to learn it's not really conflict. It's not conflict in the sense of I'm mad at you or um, this is like going to blow up the relationship and not be repairable. Um, You know, to me, these types of situations register in my brain and in my body as conflict. And that's something that I came into adulthood with. And that's one of the ways that I am trying to rewire my brain by having new experiences. And so sometimes in these types of situations, I have to like literally say to myself, this is not conflict. This is messy, but it's not conflict and it's okay. And if the other person is annoyed by this, it doesn't mean that I failed at something and it doesn't mean that there's something here to fix. It just means that we both get to show up and work through the situation. So I think you can see that in all of this, trying to manage the emotions of other people, trying to anticipate what their needs are going to be, there's so many ways that that has bogged me down. And when it comes to procrastination, because there are things on my list where it's like, oh, I need to go to this person and ask for a thing, or I need to touch base about a project. Um, you know, so much of our work involves other people. <laughs> and so if I have this need that, that other people have to always feel okay about what I'm doing and what I'm asking of them and how I'm interacting with them, that is an impossible responsibility for me. I, like we all are responsible for our own emotions. And so it is really unrealistic for me to think that I can uh, control and always have people feel positive about what I'm doing. And if that's my goal, I really am never going to move forward in leadership. I am never going to move forward in really um, putting my skills and my gifts out into the world because I'm going to be stuck in people-pleasing. And having all of these layers and these rules about how other people need to feel, if I'm going to ask them for things, that certainly leads to procrastination because it it becomes this quicksand that just like sucks me in and I can't I can't move very quickly through that. Another a recent example for me of this is that um, I needed to schedule an appointment for my daughter, and it's actually an appointment that's going to take place tomorrow. So I'm recording this on Monday night and on Tuesday afternoon, she's going to have this appointment, but I am going to be, um, not at home. I'm going to be on site for a client all day doing coaching. And so somehow I needed to get her from school and get her over to where I am so that then I could take her to this appointment. And, and it's kind of, we have kind of a busy day tomorrow. Um, in the evening. And so I either needed to ask my dad if he could pick up Caitlin after school and bring her, drive her a half an hour to where I'll be tomorrow. Or I would need to ask Mike, my husband, if he could take off work to get her and get her to the appointment. Or I would need to ask my client if we could rearrange the whole coaching plan Or I would need to disappoint Caitlin and say, I'm sorry, but this appointment's not going to work out for tomorrow. And every single one of those scenarios was uncomfortable for me. There was anxiety in 
every single one of those. And there was a little part of me that felt like a failure because I couldn't figure out how to strategically manage the situation perfectly without disrupting somebody. And it's sort of like, you know, like there's this rule in my head that I'm not allowed to be disruptive. I am not allowed (laughs) to insert myself into someone else's space and disappoint them or disrupt them or make them annoyed in any way, shape or form. And I actually have trouble trusting that other people are going to be able to manage their own emotions. So my fear is that, yeah, like I've already said, that they've, that they'll be frustrated or disappointed. And I think the fear that they won't be able to manage their own emotions then has to do with our relationship, that it's going to um, cause them to reject me or it's going to cause a distance in our relationship. I think part of this is because growing up, some of the things that I observed in the people that were influential in my life were them saying yes to things and um, and then making comments about feeling like pressured into things or manipulated into things and and seeing them be resentful of having said yes. And seeing the the like annoyance and frustration that they had towards other people. And so really the message that I got was um, that like I didn't want to be that way. And so the message is I'm afraid that other people will say yes to my face, but then be resentful of me and disappointed and want to move away from me. And sort of this like secret rejection that they're just going to like disappear into the mist and I will be alone and not really know why. And so like the the thing that really got embedded in my brain or the, the messages that I took from that and that I, the way that I, um, like I really wanted to be careful to take ownership of, of that situation and not, not blame people in my life who did that because we really are all responsible for, well, I don't know, that gets into a lot of tricky thing about childhood and trauma and little T trauma and big T trauma. And the, the whole point of all of this is that it's not my fault for those things having happened and that that's the way that kind of my brain wired, got wired. Um, but it is my responsibility now as an adult to manage all of that and to create, like to figure out what's healthy and then to create that in my life. Whoo, that went down a whole road there for a minute. Um, so what what was I talking about? Um, oh yeah, so this fear in relationship that people will say yes to my face, but then, but it won't be a sincere yes. And that underneath it all, they're gonna be annoyed. And here's the thing that I really have had to come to terms with that's really hard is that I cannot control that. And there might be relationships in my life where people are saying yes to me and then secretly they're being resentful. They might be talking bad about me. They might be off somewhere thinking bad thoughts about me. Who knows? They might want to move away from me. But I have to learn how to act in a healthy way for my sake 
and for the sake of creating healthy relationships. So I can't control what everybody's going to do, but I can control how I approach the relationship and then I can lean into relationships where people reciprocate that. And I can practice with the safe people in my life, like with my life team, with my coach, with um, my you know pe- good friends and family who are safe to me. I can practice this with them and I can be real honest with them. And I have been real honest with some people to say, hey, I am working on this right now and I fear like... I'm having a really rough day and I need somebody to talk to right now. My fear is that I'm taking up too much space. My fear is that you will feel obligated to talk with me, that you won't say no if you don't actually have time for this. And then allowing them to speak to that and saying like, this actually is my need is for you to to let me know, am I being too much? And then they can respond to that. And there are times, and I've talked about this, I think on several podcast episodes, where people have said no to me or I'll reach out to people and say, hey, do you have a minute to talk? And they might come back, you know, I might text them probably, you know, a lot of times I'll text people and they'll text back and say, oh, I wish I, I, I wish that I did. I have meetings all morning. I could talk maybe tonight, you know, between seven and eight. Would that work? Or we could try tomorrow. Um, And it feels so good for them to come back and in such a kind and supportive way to say no, uh, because it helps me have this mismatched experience. So like my, my brain and my, all my wiring says that I, that other people will feel obligated to say yes. And they are not able to take responsibility for saying no. That's what my brain tells me and that I am responsible for managing their no and and knowing when it's going to be too much for them. Like that's my responsibility is what my brain tells me. So when I have an experience with another person that doesn't match what's in my brain, it actually goes against that and it says, oh, wait a minute. Here's a situation where somebody in my life is saying no to me and they're doing it in a kind way and I still feel connected to them. I still feel loved by them and supported by them. They want to connect with me at another time and it's okay for me to ask and they really are going to say no if it's not possible for them Um, or if it's like emotionally too much, if they don't have the bandwidth for it. They really are going to say no to me and they are then not going to be resentful towards me. They're not going to try and and um, suck the life out of themselves by trying to meet my need because I'm being needy. And so it's really important to have those experiences with other people. I can intellectually understand that it's not my responsibility to manage other people's emotions But until I have experiences with other people, like flesh and blood, other people, until I have those experiences with them, my brain is not going to believe it and is not going to get rewired to be able to act in healthier ways. It's so important to practice all of this. And it's also such a process. Like I've been working on this for about five years. Um... 
Oh, I can feel myself going into whiny mode there too. Like you guys, it's so hard. I've been practicing for five years. Didn't mean to get whiny on you there, but it, it, there is that part of it that is like, oh, there's still more to learn here. I've still not arrived. It's a process. It's a practice. And it does require risk. Like it feels risky to try and believe that it could be a different way. Um, and so like like with the situation with my daughter and needing to have this appointment, I ended up texting my dad. And I, I just, um, one of the practical things that, I'll sh- that I'm going to share later is I was very intentional to just dial it all the way back to what do I literally need? Hey, would you be able to pick up Caitlin at 2.45 at the school and then bring her over to where I'll be so that I can take her to an appointment? Period. Full stop. The end. Even though my natural tendency is to add a whole bunch of cushion to that, um, to say, you know, it's not a big deal if you can't do it. Don't rearrange your schedule for this. Um, if you can't do it, then I can see if Mike can do it. We can find somebody else, you you know, like all of these things that are trying, that would try to make him feel okay about saying no. And instead intentionally dialing it all the way back to just literally state what I need, hit send on the text, and then let him manage his emotions and, and let him manage his schedule and his, um, yes or no to that question. And when I sent that text to him, I really did have to think this is part of the practice. This feels some kind of way, like there, it feels risky. It feels like I'm being too much. Intellectually, I know that that's not the case and it's okay for me to take this risk and press send. And this is part of the process. And also to trust that I'm not being pushy about it. I'm not being manipulative. I am not, um, you know, there's nothing about it that is trying to um, push him towards saying yes. I'm just being clear about what I need. And I really did have to intentionally say I am not responsible to make him comfortable saying no. And like I mentioned with the two sides of the coin, The flip side with this is that every time I'm clear about what I need and I put a need out there and I let somebody else manage their yes or their no, every single time I do that, I strengthen my own ability to say no. And as I practice saying no and taking responsibility for what I need, as I practice saying no to other people, then it strengthens my ability to ask and to trust that it's other people's responsibility to say no and to own their feelings. Another recent example of this is that um, I had a friend who I had reached out to um, because I was curious about a program that she had been on related to um, to her health. And so I um, reached out to ask some questions about it. And ended up kind of in this like sales funnel process for this program that she was on. And this is something that would have annoyed me in the past. I would have felt like obligated and pushed to, you know, pushed into saying yes to this program. And I would have wanted them to be like, I would have wanted them to cushion their ask 
or to be willing to step back or to kind of like parent the process um, instead of them having a bold ask. But what I did in that situation is that I realized that it was their job to ask, did I want to be part of this program? It was it was fully their right to present it to me. And, you know, they invited me into the process. And I said, sure, I'll have a phone conversation with you about this. And, and in that call, I said, oh, you know what? I need some time to consider this. And I was really honest about my questions and where I was at. And then I took the opportunity to some people in my life to say, hey, you've, you've been here for my health journey. Here's this program. What do you think about this? And over time, I realized that this wasn't the right thing for me. And in that time, as I was thinking about it, um, the people that I had talked to, they kept reaching out to me to say, you know, don't forget, there's a special this month. Do you want to do you want to get started? Here's the deadline for it. Um, And in the past, I would have seen that as being pushy. Now I see that as they're just offering me an opportunity and it's not their job to um, to take care of my emotions with that. It's not their job to um, beat around the bush with it or walk on eggshells with me. It's more of like, you know, they're a server at a restaurant just asking me if I want dessert. And, um, and if I say, oh, well, let me think about it. And then five minutes later, they come back and say, did you want dessert? It's not them being pushy. It's just them making an offer and trying to serve me well. And in that, they're also assuming that I'm going to be an adult and that I have the ability to make my own decision about this. And so with that, I came to a point of making a decision and I um, got back with them, said, thank you for, you know, sharing the opportunity and reaching back out to me. I wanted to let you know, I don't think this is the right program for me, period. Um, In the past, I think I would have said, like, I don't think this is the right program for me right now which would have left the door open for um, probably them to contact me down the road and to say, hey, it wasn't, you know, do you, do you think now you would want to start? And instead of just of, of being able to create the, create that definition and to say this is not the right program for me and, and to know that nobody has to have hurt feelings in this, it's just we're creating definition, we're being clear about the ask and being clear about the answer. And that's one thing that Brene Brown says is clear is kind. Um, Creating clarity actually helps everybody to navigate the situation. When there's ambiguity, it actually um, makes it so confusing for other people. And it, you know, it's sort of, um, I think sometimes when people, when there's ambiguity there and they're afraid to bring definition and they're trying to manage emotions and expectations, it's it's like their intention is to create a safe space so that people don't feel pushed one way or the other, but really it creates confusion and this like no man's land where people just don't know what's being asked of them or what they're supposed to be responding to. And instead of creating safety, it it actually, I think, ends up creating a lack of safety. I also want to talk about boundaries and how lack of boundaries can create problems with procrastination. One way that lack of boundaries create issues with procrastination is where I take on things that aren't mine to actually manage. And sometimes this crosses over with trying to manage other people's emotions. 
that's one reason why I put it together it, all together in this same podcast episode. Um, because if I think that another person can't handle a situation or it's too much for them, then in the past I have taken on kind of mothering a situation or really taking on a parental stance with somebody where I think I have to step in and have to rescue somebody or I have to, um, um, kind of help control a situation because I don't think that they have it in hand. And what that has done for me is then it puts things on my list that I become resentful of and it gives me extra things that aren't really mine to own. And all of that creates a situation where it's easier to procrastinate because there's just more to do and there's more um, hidden resistance to getting things done. Because even though I, you know, have good intentions for wanting to help the other person, um, a lot of times in the past when I know when I've done this, it winds up where I am resentful or I just feel like, why can't they do it? They should be doing this. Why am I doing this? And really when I back it all the way up, I go, oh, well, I took this on. I added this to my list or sometimes I didn't add it to my list, but Having strong boundaries would allow me to maybe go to my boss or go to um, maybe even the other person to say, hey, this thing ended up on my list. I, I don't think that this is actually mine. Or if I'm going to complete this, here's what I need from you. And so that's where boundaries can help us to prevent a situation where there's procrastination by really looking at, is this mine to own? Another way that this would show up in the past is if I was in a meeting and because I'm an idea person, I would like throw out lots of ideas. Sometimes though, when you throw out all the ideas, they get assigned to you. Oh, that's a great idea, Aaron. You should do that here. Let us know, you know, when you have a plan together for that. And I would walk out of meetings and be like, ah, oh, how do I end up with all this work? And so I had to learn how to create definition and create boundaries by being a little bit more specific um, and aware in meetings and in those types of situations. And so one way that I might do this would be to say, you know, I don't have time to take this on, but here's an idea if somebody else wanted to take this and run with it. Um, Or to say things like, I'm, you know, my idea brain is taking off right now and I have lots of thoughts about this. I don't know who's gonna be taking this project on, But if they would want to come and talk with me, I'd be happy to share some of my ideas with them. Or to be aware in the meeting of when things were like starting to creep over to my plate or people would be like getting excited about something and kind of like pushing it towards me, being able to say, well, can we talk about this? Or if I take this thing on, then I would need to have, you know, this other project come off my plate. Um, and just really having this awareness and and to be able to say just because it gets put on my plate by somebody else doesn't mean that it has to stay there. And it's okay for me to create boundaries, even with a, a boss. One way that I would do this is going to um, different bosses that I've had in the past and to say, here are the like 10 major things that are on my list right now. I don't have time, like I don't know that I have capacity to to do all of these things right now. 
what are the top three that you want me to be prioritizing right now? And then I'm going to work on getting as much of these others done as I can, um, which doesn't always work. Um, I know, but that that's just a way that I would try to create definition and boundaries in the past. Another thing I want to mention is that boundaries are for me. They are not for the other person. And there are times when I have tried to use boundaries on another person in order to get them to do something the way I want them to do it. And that really is not a boundary. That's manipulation. A boundary exists to protect me from something. And so an example of this, and I think I used this on a previous episode, is if I um, have a spouse or a child who is always late getting ready for things, um, I can say, you know, we are leaving at this time. If you're not in the car at this time, then you don't get to go. And I'm really sorry about that. But it's just the way that it is because I'm not okay being late. And it's not a judgment on the other person to say, you always do this or you're never on time or why can't you just, you know, get your butt in the car when it's time to go. Um, It's not judgment. It's just about me. I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with being late. If you are not in the car by this time, then then I'm going to go ahead and go because I want to be on time. Um, And then it lets them decide really what they're going to do. And it still gives free choice to them for how they're going to approach the situation. And so it's different than saying, if you're not in the car by this time, then like, like trying to lay on all these consequences to make them be in the car on time. And maybe this isn't a great example. Um, I think there are lots of other things that could be said about, um, consequences and boundaries with kids. Um, but I mean, maybe that's a, I don't know, that's a whole, that's a whole other topic, but it is an example of, of how creating a boundary needs to be about me and not about what it is I want the other person to do. It still gives a choice to them. And so sometimes with procrastination, sometimes there are things that weigh me down because there's a task that needs to be done. So for example, we are leaving on vacation soon. I need to I need to think about packing. And so there might be um, things that I want other people in my family to do in a certain way. And so I might try to put boundaries on them because I'm trying to micromanage what they're doing with the situation. And instead, a, a boundary, and, and so uh, let me go back to this. Trying to micromanage them is actually creating more things on my to-do list for me to accomplish. And it's putting obstacles in the way of me getting done what I need to get done. And so this is sticky because there are some things that, um, you know, if, if people forget to pack certain things or if it doesn't, if they don't do their part, then it, it could really be that it's going to cause issues for us on our vacation. So again, maybe not the best example, but it's the one that came to mind. 
Um, So the best thing that I can do is create a boundary and to say, what is it that I actually need in this situation? And then to separate out my tasks that I can own from their tasks that they need to own. And then be able to just say they get to do that however they're going to do that. And if it means that we get on vacation and they have to wear the same outfit every single day because they didn't think about packing, then, I mean, that's a situation where it, it could complicate things for me and it might actually create misery for me. But let's in a perfect world <laughs> say that it wouldn't do that and I could just create that boundary and then they would just have to live with their the result of their choice. Um, I don't know that that's how it would work in reality, but that is like the concept of creating boundaries and, and how, um, trying to micromanage somebody else's life and their decision can, can create quicksand for me with procrastination, because again, it creates all these other layers of things that I'm trying to manage that are actually tied to another person and they're, it's tied to their choices and I cannot control their choices. And again, there's a, there's a lot there about, again, creating this definition that says, here is what another person has to own, and here is what I get to own. And there could be messiness depending on what this other person decides. Things could get messy if they have certain feelings about this, things could get messy if they don't take certain actions. And also it's not my job to make things not messy. Sometimes they just are going to be messy. And so I have to be very clear. The, the more clear, the clearer, how would I say that? The clearer I can be about what is mine to own it creates more clarity for me to move forward with getting things done. And it um, helps me avoid procrastination um, because there's clarity and I can I can make decisions and I can move forward with the things that I need to move forward on. When I have all these other layers of things happening, it creates this quicksand that holds me back and creates all of these um Uh, like a lot of hidden resistance or there's a lot of hidden um, difficult emotions there, sadness and anger and maybe fear um, that hold us back from being able to get the things done that we need to. So quickly, I want to try and wrap up here. Um, Some practical steps for creating definition for having more boundaries, for not managing the emotions of other people. The first practical step is to, um, when you have a task and, and you need to involve somebody else, you need to ask them for something, is to roll it back to the very simplest need or ask. And one way to do this is to take the personal part out of it. Maybe um, write a, a letter or like type out a text imagining that you're sending it to a fictional person or to somebody that feels neutral to you, that um, you would feel like you wouldn't have to manage their emotions. And it will help you create definition in your own head of what it is that you actually need before trying to go to another person with it, especially if it's someone who you feel um, responsible for managing their emotions. So roll it back to the very simplest need 
that you have and imagine um, making the ask to someone who's neutral and that will help you create clarity in your head about what you need. Another practical step is to recognize and weigh the cost of the anxiety of um, sending, of, or not of sending, of, of making the ask versus not making the ask. So what I mean by this is when I was going to text my dad to see if he could pick up Caitlin, I really had to pause and say, there's anxiety for me in sending this text to my dad. But if I don't send it, I'm going to have anxiety for three days if I hang on to this task. And if it stays in my head as a thing that needs to be done. So I'm either going to be anxious in this moment and sending the text, or I'm going to be anxious for three more days. And that helped me to take a deep breath and to go ahead and just send the text and embrace the anxiety of that moment. Another practical step when it comes to boundaries is, is when I'm stressed about things on my list and it feels like I'm drowning in tasks for me to do a brain dump and to um, really list out what are all of the things in my head that I'm anxious about or that I feel like I have to do. And then asking, are there things on this list that aren't mine to manage? And if so, I either need to let those things go or I need to be really clear about handing ownership of those tasks over to other people. Another thing that I try to do is um, have awareness of if I'm trying to make a, if I'm trying to pre-decide for somebody else. So if I anticipate that they are going to feel anxious or feel pushed by me asking them the question, then I am trying to pre-decide for them. I'm trying to imagine, I'm already imagining that they're going to want to say no. And of course, I'm going to have anxiety about asking. And so really what I need to do is to let go of that and to realize I cannot make the decision for them. That is taking away their agency and I need to let them decide for them. They actually get to own their decision. Another practical step is to, if you know, if you're really having some difficulty with this, take it to your coach or your life team or a friend. And um, what to get into what uh, Dr. Jan, John Townsend would call a loved position. So getting into a loved position before trying to move forward with the task. And what this means is that you just get fuel from other people and you get their perspective and you get, um, you know, some of those quadrant one and two nutrients that we talked about in season one, where you're getting some affirmation and some encouragement and all of those things that are going to help you get fueled up so that you can move forward and make the ask or create the boundary or create definition, whatever needs to happen in the situation. All right. I feel like this was so much to share and I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I, uh, I feel like uh, maybe there were things in my notes that I missed or maybe, uh, you know, I, I feel a little disjointed this week, um, but there you have it. And in the interest of showing up and being imperfect and being cringeworthy sometimes, uh, this is part of my own process of personal growth, of just showing up and um, trusting that I've you know, shared things that are going to be 
helpful to others and putting it out there into the world. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode. I do hope it's been helpful to you and given you some new ways of thinking about procrastination and things like creating definition and boundaries and not trying to manage the emotions of other people. In two weeks, it's going to be Thanksgiving and I'm going to be on vacation, but my plan is to go ahead and um, record the episode and have it drop on Thanksgiving day to just keep rolling with the schedule. Um, The next episode is going to be about how you can't do it all. And so that that might actually be pretty um, appropriate for Thanksgiving Day and heading into the holiday season. As a reminder, if you need a guide for your own personal growth journey, if you need a coach to help you have some of those experiences so that you can rewire um, the the parts of your brain that are kind of stuck in some unhealthy um, unhealthy patterns, I would love to work with you one-on-one. You can go to my website, personalgrowthsex.com slash schedule, and you can see my uh, calendar on there and you can go ahead and schedule a, a free appointment with, with me. I offer a free session, a free full coaching session, no strings attached, um, so that you can have the experience of having a transformational coaching session. So go to personalgrowthsex.com slash schedule and you can schedule an, an appointment. I also, at the beginning of, the, of 2023, I'm going to be launching some kind of a course or a book club. I'm still working through the details of what that looks like, but if you'd like to get on the list to know more information as soon as it's available, you can go to personalgrowthsex.com slash courses. And the, um, whatever it is, it's going to be about setting goals. That's a big thing that um, people tend to think about at the beginning of a year. And it can be really frustrating to create new, new year's resolutions that then feel impossible to attain. And so my goal with this course is to help you create reality-based goals that you can actually finish in 2023. So go to personalgrowthsucks.com slash courses, enter your email address, and you will get information as soon as I have the details. Thank you for listening today. I really appreciate that you have made me a part of your day. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Personal Growth Sucks and on Facebook at Kinzel Consulting slash Personal Growth Sucks. Until next time, remember that personal growth sucks when you try to do it alone, but together we can cultivate the courage to grow. Let's keep leaning in.